This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding members Joe Coughlin and Martin Carlino. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys this week where we got a, uh, a big game to uh, break down, a couple big games to preview as well, and we got a lot of uh, sports going on. But before we do so, uh, just a quick reminder as always that you guys can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Android, Spotify, what have you. Make sure you look us up there, and we are there um, as well. So give us a nice little review and subscription, and hopefully uh, we can be exposed to more people. Um, We're going to do our usual four-quarter format uh, this week. In the first quarter, we recap um, two big football games for both Loyola and Nutria and some of the many sports that are going on right now. In the second quarter, we are joined by uh, New Trier head football coach Brian Dahl after a a tough competitive game against Maine South. In the third quarter, we play our weekly guessing game of uh, way or no way. And in the fourth quarter, we preview the last week of football. That went pretty quickly, but uh, obviously happy to have that going on. But um, last week of spring football going on, so we'll give you guys previews of the last couple games that are uh, happening in this uh, very weird year. But um, why don't we start things off with a recap of the big game that we were talking about in last week's episode between Nutrier and Maine South. Both teams heading into the game undefeated, um, vying for a chance to win the CSL South. Um, and uh, looked like uh, Nutrier got a good start, but um, unfortunately a, a big second quarter for the Hawks um, really made a difference for uh, Maine South as they defeated uh, Nutrier 14 to nine, nine in a game, Marty, where it seemed like Nutrier got off to a good start, but um, just really couldn't capitalize after that big second quarter from Maine South, where uh, it seemed like the Hawks just kind of took control of the game after that. Yeah. And I think that's a really great way to put it, Michael. Um, Nutrier got off to a, a pretty uh, ideal start for, for I think what it was hoping for. So the game started out and, and Maine South had the ball. Um, drove it, I, I think, probably about 60 or 70 yards down to uh, the, the very edge of Nutria's uh, red zone and then set up for a field goal after the Trevs were able to uh, to stop him on a third down play. And <clears throat> Nutria's defense came up big again and blocked a field goal. So um, they they stymied a Nutria or a Main South scoring chance right off the bat. And um, that, that blocked field goal, I think, was a, was a good way for them to get a little bit of momentum and a little bit of of energy. Obviously they, they had uh, quite a bit of energy going into the game, but that was definitely a good way to, uh, to build off of it. And then we saw the, the Trevs go down and jump out to a three, nothing lead on a, on a 35 yard field goal, which uh, in the high school game is a, is a very nice kick, certainly not a gimme um, like it is in the, uh, in the professional game. So, so a real nice job there from the special teams unit. And then uh, we saw Nutria hang on to that three, nothing lead until about uh, five or six minutes left to go into the first half. And um, that is where we saw uh, where I'm going to say we saw the first of three 
real crucial series that I would just like to highlight here for our, for our listeners um, that, that sort of swung the game. And that first series was on, on main South's first play of the drive. They, um, they busted out for a 70 yard screen for a screen pass that went for 70 yards and a touchdown um, first play of the drive uh, talked to coach doll after the game. And he kind of said it was a little bit of a defensive breakdown. Um, and I think the, uh, the main South, player made a real nice play on, uh, on that uh, particular play showcased some real nice speed to, to break it all 70 yards. So that gave Maine South a, uh, a seven to three lead. And the significant thing there is uh, on Nutria's next drive, I believe they went three and out. So uh, Maine South had grabbed all the momentum jumping out seven to three, and then their defense came out and got a big stop to get the ball back right away. And then on the next drive, we see the Hawks um, put together two big plays real quick, two big chunk plays that got them down inside uh, Nutria territory. And then they scored a couple play late, couple plays later to, uh, to go up 14 to three. So that was, as you mentioned, Michael, the big um, first swing in the game, because it, uh, it had seemed like Nutrier was positioned to go into halftime in a, in a pretty good position in a pre, in pretty good shape. And then all of a sudden the drop, the Hawks dropped 14 unanswered points in a, in about four and a half minutes on them. So uh, that definitely was a big punch from Maine South and was uh, the game's first mo- big momentum swing. And then the third quarter we saw, uh, we saw Nutrier come out and do exactly what it needed to do on its first drive of the second half. Uh, they went something like 70 yards for a touch for a, a touchdown drive that was capped off uh on a one yard uh, wildcat run from Tyler Harden. So that made the game 14 to nine. Um, they went for, they went for two after scoring, didn't convert. So uh, 14, so it was 14 to nine, as I mentioned. And then uh, the fourth quarter is really the, uh, the huge next two series that I think uh, decide ultimately decided the game's uh, outcome. So uh, the first big uh, situation in the first, in the fourth quarter came when um Nutrier had the ball third and one at about the main South 35 ish or 40, if I'm remembering correctly. And before the ball was snapped, the Trevs uh, got called for an offsides penalty. So that pushed them back to third to uh, third and six, which is obviously a much more uh, harder situation to, uh, to convert on. And then they went for it on fourth down and uh, the main South cornerback made a real nice play and, batted away a pass that would have been a first down from, uh, from Nevin Kremaskoli to Josh Kirkpatrick. So the Hawks had a big swing there, turning the ball over. And then on that same drive, uh, once Maine South took over, they had the ball with, I believe it was just over seven minutes left in the game. So we, uh, we all expected that Maine South was going to put together a drive that was going to try to eat a lot of clock and eat away at that game. And that's exactly what they did, but they had the ball on a, uh, on a second and sixth, uh, second and sixth play, I believe it was, um, and three neutral uh, defenders wrapped up a main South running back in the backfield for what seemed like a, a four or five yard loss. So it would have put main South in a, in a very tough third and long situation, but uh, we saw a bit of a late flag thrown from the referee and uh, that call turned into a personal foul against Nutrier. Uh, so obviously that gave Maine South uh, 15 yards forward and an automatic first down. And that's uh, a, a huge swing. Cause as I mentioned, it turned a, a third and long and a favorable situation for a new in, into a very favorable situation for Maine South. So then the, the Hawks took the ball all the way down to the goal line, new another goal line stand stopped them on fourth and three to get the ball back at the two yard line, I believe, or at the three, three yard line. Uh, and then they just couldn't get enough going in that uh, in the last 80 seconds of the game. And the Hawks 
Hawks hung on to, uh, to, to, to win and maintain the, the CSL South crown 14 to nine. So it was a great game. You know, a lot of what we expected, uh, an awesome high school football game on a Friday night, but, uh, Nutra just fell a, uh, a couple, um, a couple plays short of pulling off the, uh, the upset road win. And, uh, I think in the, the lead of my story, I say that, uh, the recipe for a road win in, in Park Ridge over Main South usually requires um, a little bit of good fortune, and the, the Trevs did not have that uh, that good fortune on Friday night. Yeah, no, it, it seemed like a few things um, didn't go their way for sure. That specifically that personal foul, and uh, I talked to Coach Dole about it a few days later just because I wanted, you know, Marty, you and I talked about like well, what the heck was it? I know you asked all the time, and he wasn't even sure. So a few days later. Um, he seems, you know, after watching the tape, he got some clarity, you know, basically, you know, progress was stopped. And I think everybody on the interior sideline, which is where we were, including the other ref was waiting for a whistle, but it never came. So the, the Trevs kind of kept grabbing at the ball. The whistle never came and um, they finally got it loose, but then there was a whistle and everybody stopped and then a flag came out. So it was very confusing because no one heard that first whistle, but the ref, you know, the main official, the lead official um, who was right there said he did blow the whistle. And what's, what's interesting about that is that they're not using regular whistles this year. They're using electronic whistles. So you press it and uh, sometimes it can be um, hard to hear it, especially when there's crowd noise, which there was a main South for the first time, which by the way, was nice to hear. Um, So, you know, that could have played a factor that, you know, either the Trevs or the main South, you know, no one stopped playing, um, heard that first whistle. Maybe the first whistle didn't blow and he thought he, he, he pressed the button. It's really hard to tell, but it's really unfortunate um, that that happened because it did kind of stem that defensive stand that Nutria was doing. <clears throat> but, you know, you look at you, the whole, the whole game, Nutria had other chances too. Um, obviously, it's going to come down to a few plays when these two teams play. Like we, we said that we thought they were pretty equal. I thought Nutria was actually a favorite um, for this. So uh, it's going to come down to more than that play. And, and their offense really couldn't get going against that main South defense too much, except Brody Roth had a, had a heck of a day on the offensive end, um, breaking off plays here, there. It felt like he was ooh an inch away here or, or a step away here from breaking one. Um, but Kremiscoli, um, you know, junior QB, he, 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 the Trevs didn't make enough big plays. It looks like they may have had some openings for some, for some big chunk long passes and they didn't convert. Um, and Maine South made theirs um, kind of a blown coverage on the, uh, the bubble screen that went for 70 yards. Um, and then the long pass was, was on the money. So um, yeah, two big plays really did them in. It was fun to watch though. It was a good high school game. As Marty said, Great to be on the sidelines with that atmosphere, uh, kind of senior night. So you had you had the crowd, you had the the cheerleaders and everything, and it felt like a Friday night football game for for maybe the first time this year. Um, but pointing out again, um, Brody Roth on the offensive end. We said I just want to point him on the defensive end. Marty and I talked the game like he's on every tackle and he's an outside backer and he was making fields uh, plays sideline to sideline. So we were like, this kid's everywhere today. Um, and it turns out he had 23 tackles, I think 12 solo, Marty said, um, and had a bunch of assists. He was everywhere. So um, the defense did step up for sure, um, just not enough plays. And we, uh, 
we've talked about him time and time again on this podcast, but yeah, as Joe mentioned, Brody Roth and you got to shout out Tyler Harden as well. Great games from the both of them senior leaders for the Trevs. And, you know, uh, so, so many seniors on this, on this new true team, I thought had, uh, had excellent games. So, um, but after that initial knockout punch from the uh, from the Hawks in the second quarter with the 14 unanswered, I thought Nutria responded pretty nicely and you know made it a made it a one score game and was right there at the end. But uh, it's uh, everyone knows this. It, it's tough to beat those guys on the road, uh, especially it felt like a normal um, you know quote unquote normal Friday night with the atmosphere that was there uh, in Park Ridge on, on Friday night. The stands were uh, were pretty packed. Also, also worthy of note is that the score was 14-9, and if Nutrier scored, it would have been, like maybe to end the game, it would have been 15-14, and Marty's <laughs> prediction would have been dead on. So, so Dole told me that once they missed the two-point conversion, he on the headset he said, well, if we score, then the record guys will be happy. So <laughs> – <laughs> they're listening to us uh, at the Nutrier coaching table. Glad to know that they're uh, listening to the podcast. But uh, Joe, you mentioned Dahl and Marty in your story. Uh, that was interesting. They used uh, or that Dahl uh, said that uh, he believed that Nutrier uh, really uh, played Main South, obviously, even though the loss was surreal. I mean, how much? I mean, you guys were there. I mean, how much did you guys did you guys feel like that was true? Were they? outplayed them and it was just a couple game, a couple plays here and there or do you feel like there's a coach defending his team and just being proud of his players for competing in a strong game that's a good question um i would i would certainly put it somewhere in the middle of what you just said i i don't know if they 100 percent outplayed them i thought definitely in spurts they did um and their defense outside of those two big plays certainly limited what main south wanted to do I think they, you know, Maine South does a lot of that counter running um, and they do, you know, bubble screens. Um, and for the most part, Nutria was all over that. Um, it was really hard for them to gain much momentum. And when they did go down the field, it took a lot of plays. Um, they weren't able to get, see too much room. That Nutria defense really is as fast as Marty's been saying all year. They're, they're, they're everywhere. Um, but on the offensive end, you know, let's not, ignore new main South's defense. It's legit too. And outside of Roth, um, the, the passing game just really wasn't, they couldn't hit a big one. And I think they tried to hit a big one. I think a couple times we had Kirkpatrick or Cummings open and um, you know, he, they just couldn't land it. So I think in spurts, but I think overall, I, I, I don't know what you think, Marty. I think it was pretty equal. Yeah. I'd probably say maybe three of four quarters, you could give a slight edge to Nutria that they outplayed them. I thought, um, I thought the second half was pretty, pretty significantly Nutria outplayed them. Um, but that, that second quarter is obviously the, the huge difference maker. That was, that was all main South. Um, they, 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 they go 14 to zero in that quarter. They get the big plays. They get the big punches right before halftime. First quarter. I thought you could probably give Nutria as well. They, uh, they blocked the field goal. Um, but there, there certainly could be an argument for Maine South winning that quarter as well, um, because they had two drives that went into Nutria territory and one that went into um, Nutria's red zone. So they, uh, it, this might've been real early in the second quarter, but Maine South had a drive where they set up for, I think it was also a 35 yard field goal that, uh, that just, that went just wide left. So um, they had some nice drives in that first quarter as well. Um, and then the second quarter was all main South, I think, like I said, and then 
the second half, I, I think you can definitely give to Nutrier. Um, but but Maine South made some real key plays, I thought, in the second half when they needed them. Um, there were a couple third and longs that were some really impressive conversions from the Hawks. And um, I'm, I'm blanking on if this was in the third quarter or the fourth quarter, but I think it was the fourth quarter. Uh, when Maine South had that uh, had that drive to eat a lot of the, a lot of the chunk, but there was like a third and 12, third and 11 type ish play where um, Nutria brought the house. Brody Roth came from the edge, um, looked like he was going to put a big hit on the quarterback, and Maine South's quarter Maine South's quarterback made a little uh, juke move, avoided him, uh, and then rolled out and delivered like a 15 yard pass right on the money to a to a Maine South wide receiver. And I thought after that play that that might have been bad news for for the Trevs because I thought that was a chance where they had to uh, to get a punt out of the Hawks. But that was a huge conversion. And um, the, the this was supposedly Maine South's backup quarterback. I think he's only a junior. Uh, he looked he looked really good. I thought on on Friday some some big throws. He's got a big arm. The uh, the one pass he made in the second quarter that we alluded to had to be a forty or fifty yard pass. So. Uh, yeah, not, not, not great news looking forward to next year, if that's going to be their quarterback. Cause I thought he looked really sharp on, uh, on Friday night. Well, look, heading into this week, uh, we thought there would be a CSL crossover, but there will not be a CSL crossover despite us predicting it. So in the end, our predictions were wrong. Um, but, uh, Nutria will get a fun chance of playing St. Charles East at, uh, uh, and I use Husky Stadium in the Cal actually this upcoming weekend. So we'll talk more about that matchup in the fourth quarter. Um, so let's move on over now to uh, Loyola, where um, the, the drive toward perfection continued over the weekend against Phillips. And um, I know Neil uh, Milbert in his story talked about Loyola uh, having three and a half years in the COVID pandemic, but uh, uh, the Ramblers finally avenged uh, their loss uh, to Phillips um, after a tough uh, 2017 game where uh, Phillips made a game-ending goal line stand to win 20-14. This time it was all Ramblers um, winning 30 to nothing. Usual uh, casting crew over here with Loyola, just uh, a dominant rushing game, great defense. And um, guys, I don't really know what else we can really say because I feel like we just say the same things every single week. And, um, but this team just continues to dominate. And I'm sure for some of those players um, – in some way, there was kind of uh, uh, a reason to want to get back at Phillips, even though I think most of them uh, didn't actually play Phillips in 2017. Yeah, you know, this was another one similar to Hillcrest. Um, it's an overmatch. Um, you know, they come in and, and Loyola's got, you know, 15 kids going to college or whatever to play ball. And uh, it was domination. Their defense, I thought, you know, their offense, uh, we talked about it, you know, they um, with Pemberton. Um, it just controls the whole game, um, controls the clock, I should say. So they're able to kind of do what they want, but their defense was, man, <laughs> Phillips, they, they, they were, they were lighting up Phillips. Um, and uh, these are grown men. I swear to God, just watching them play another time. Um, <clears throat> I had some photos. I was actually showing my wife. I'm like, tell me this kid's a high schooler. Like this kid's not a high school. I was speaking about um, um, Liam, um, their outside backer. And, uh, also, Brandon Svets um, and, one, and, and Braden Mullen. I mean, they're just – these guys are so good. Um, their secondary was really good. Artis Gilmore had a great game out of the secondary. Um, Phillips was not able to do anything. Um, but I think, you know, um, it, it, it's, it's a huge move for them to come up and play Loyal Academy 
in an impromptu week. I mean, they had to know in this shortened year with everything going on that they were going to be overmatched and both Hillcrest and Phillips came up to play. And I think that's, uh, I think that's great. I think you got to give them a lot of, a lot of credit, a lot of kudos to there, but um, overall, just, you know, talking X's and O's on the field, just a straight overmatch. Yeah. And the thing that really sticks out to me is just, you know, they're, they're dismantling teams and they're beating up programs that are, you know, annually really really strong programs it's not like you know they're they're playing teams that uh that struggle to win a couple games every year i mean they're playing teams they're playing teams that are winning six seven eight games in a normal season and and winning a couple playoff games on top of that so these are really impressive victories um when you see the score but even more so impressive when you consider when you see that score and you consider who they're playing because these are some, some really strong programs, like I said, and it's almost getting to the point where, you know, if you're facing Loyola and you get within uh, two scores or, or 10 points or, or something like that, you might consider it a moral victory because yeah, they're, they're really playing some great football. And, uh, and these teams are, are struggling to, to hang with them for a couple quarters, let alone all four. So uh, we, we've said it over and over again, but uh, I wish we had the chance to see a playoff run from this team because I think we'd see some pretty spectacular uh, finishes from them. Yeah. And Marty, you pointed that out. And I think I, I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, they're beating up the best teams in the state. So let's, let's look at those numbers. And I, if how many games they put five, the five teams not counting their game with Loyola are 18 and one. <laughs> yeah. So they're pretty good. They win like four of the five teams are undefeated. If they didn't play Loyola, the only team that's not is brother rice who lost to Maris. So, and we know they're good. So yeah, pretty impressive. It's just uh, obviously crazy to see uh, all that happening with that win. Loyola uh, won at least a share of the CCL ESCC blue division championship. Uh, a win over Maris can guarantees it since they, uh, if Mount Carmel won, I think both teams would be five and one Loyola um, would have it over there, but um, obviously for Loyola, um, it seems to be, uh, either finishing perfect and, uh, winning a division title is all you can really get in a year like this. But, um, obviously, uh, for much of this, uh, year, I feel like Loyola just proved that they're the best team in the state and probably would have, um, I mean, they'd be probably competing for a state championship if not winning a state championship this year. Maybe they'd be playing Lincoln Way East, who knows, but unfortunately after, uh, hard, uh, attempt by the record podcast uh we are not able to get that uh match to take place this season no all right we got uh everything football we'll talk Loyola and Marist in the fourth quarter uh just another uh few things to talk about here we had uh Loyola and Nutria baseball facing against each other uh Loyola winning that first game uh seven to two and then in the second game uh Nutria holding off a late Loyola comeback um, Marty, I know you're at that game. Um, what did you, I mean, obviously just two games into the season, you can't really take every, everything from two games, but, um, how do these two teams look, especially, uh, competing against a rival to start the season? Yeah, I think both Nutria and Loyola have really strong and really talented teams this season. Um, you look, you look at each roster and I think there's a, there's several college pitchers and several position players, uh, on each roster and, uh, the Ramblers head up their rotation with several arms that are going to be collegiate arms. And uh, they've got some real talent uh, defensively and offensively as well. And then the same thing can be said for, uh, for Nutria as well. And then 
another, you know, real positive factor for Nutrier moving forward is a name that we've talked about on this podcast before in a different capacity, Alex Mendez. He'll be returning for, uh, or I should say, they hope he'll be returning for uh, the Nutrier baseball team this year. And he's a, uh, he's a three-year starter at shortstop for the, for the Trevi. And so they'll get their everyday shortstop in a, in a middle and a top of the order uh, bat back uh, as well soon. So they'll even, their lineup will get even stronger than it already is. But uh, Nutrier uh, has a lot of talent uh, on the mound. Um, I think they've got three, three, four, five arms, even that uh, can contribute as starters. And then a couple of guys who will, who will be big for them in uh, shorter relief roles. And then, their lineup, I think, has a lot of speed and power to it as well. And uh, anytime you can anchor a lineup and, and have a Calarco in the uh, in the middle of your order, you're going to have a good lineup. And uh, they, they've got uh, Calarco back there at catcher and, and batting third for them. So they've got a real nice lineup. Like I said, good mix of power and speed. I think they'll be able to do a lot on the uh, on the base passes and and also score uh, score some runs via the homer. So. Um, expecting big things from, from both of these teams. Loyola, I think has a real nice lineup up and down, um, good sound defensively and great pitching. So a team that'll, that'll score enough runs to beat you and then hold you off on defensive pitching. So some, uh, some re- we should have some real nice teams to follow on the, uh, on the baseball diamond this year. Good stuff there. Uh, we talked last week about Loyola boys soccer having to win its next two games against St. Ignatius and Mount Carmel to win the CCL title. And they did do that. Uh, winning both of those games to uh, win the division crown. Um, seems like we had uh, two really good boys soccer programs in the area, and uh, uh, it's a shame that uh, we didn't get a chance to uh, watch them compete in the same sectional because that would have been uh, that would have been fun, especially throwing in uh, Evanston in there as always, and a couple of it, St. Patrick as well. Um, would have been a heck of a sectional had it been uh, obviously a normal year. Yeah, two really good programs, like you said, and. Um... Loyola just once they got fully healthy, um, got their starting um, starting eleven on the field. They just started beating up folks. Um, beat Ignatius three zero, Nutrier three zero, Mount Carmel two zero to, to end the season. And uh, you know they beat St. Lawrence three two in a huge game in early April. Um, so just a very good team. Like yeah, you know I think we're talking about a, a state caliber type of team out of uh, Loyola and, and maybe Nutrier too, if they hit the right group. All right. Any other uh, fun spring headlines that you guys or spring summer? I don't know what we're calling this time of year at this point. Any fun uh, spring summer <laughs> headlines you guys want to talk about before we move to the second quarter? Yeah, I think we got to shout out the Nutrier girls lacrosse team real quick, opening up their season. I think they've had some, uh, some real nice double digit wins to, uh, to kick the season off. So expecting big things also from, uh, from the Loyola girls team and, and both the uh, Nutria and Loyola boys lacrosse team as well. So like you mentioned, Michael, great to see a lot of these sports back and back and underway here. And uh, just from some of the games that we've had a chance to cover already this year, it, it's great seeing the athletes back out there and, and uh, getting a chance to play in uh, in somewhat of a normal environment. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw a shout out to, to boys volleyball starting up here. Um, I think, Nutrier had a, had a COVID issue that knocked them off a couple games, um, but I'm looking forward to what they're putting out there. And Loyola has already got like six games in the bag, maybe. Uh, yeah. In the tournament, uh, and they're undefeated. They're five and zero. So, and they've got uh, Ryan Merck, who who's going to play college ball, and he's uh, he's one of the best players in the state. So, they're they're both going to field, uh, I guess, not a field. They're going to court some good teams this year. 
All right, a lot of good stuff going on. And make sure you guys are keeping up with the record northshore.org for all the latest uh, information. But let's move on over now to the second quarter where we hear from Nutria football coach Brian Dahl. Marty, I know that you caught up with him after the tough loss against Maine South on Friday. Uh, what are the folks at home going to hear? Yeah, we uh, we talk over what happened on Friday night, how things finish. Um, coach Dahl has a little bit to comment on, on some of the calls that were made throughout the game. And then as well, he, as you alluded to earlier there, Michael, he, he describes it as a, as a surreal loss and um, says that he thought the, uh, the Trevians uh, outplayed Maine South for the majority of the game. And then uh, a little bit later on in the inter- interview, we talk about some of the, uh, the big picture takeaways that um, even though it's, you know, not the outcome they were hoping for that, that they're still able to take away from, from that game and, and this season as a whole. All right, let's take a listen. Where do you think it got away tonight, Coach? Uh, obviously, you guys threatening till the end, um, but a couple miscues here and there that I'm sure uh, you, you have in your mind. Where, where do you think it got away tonight and, and sort of what went wrong? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch a lot of it. A lot of it seems uh, surreal right now, to be honest with you. I thought, I thought we were the better team. I, I clearly thought we were the better team in a lot of in situations. We, made, we gave up two big plays. Um, that's the difference in the game. Otherwise, we totally limited them. They couldn't do anything else. Um, we got unlucky in the uh, final drive with some really tough calls at unfortunate times. You got to live with that, but um, it's unfortunate we have a, a whistle that's blown, and then the ref calls a flag after it, and it's a 15-yard penalty when the play's already dead, yeah. and it changes the whole outcome of that entire drive. I mean, yeah. we, we've had the kids sack for a 10-yard loss, three guys, and the ref had no, no excuse. So yeah. I, I'm really disappointed in the way they handled the game. What they uh, what they explained to you on that play, Coach, where, where Brody stripped the ball loose and then they threw the flag. What was the explanation they gave you? I mean, they didn't have any explanations tonight. They were confused. They were. This was this was not a uh, this was a big time conference championship game. They weren't prepared for it. Obviously, there are there are no moral victories, Coach. But are there positives you can take away yeah, from tonight? Absolutely. Another you know another great showing from the defense. They shut them out in the second half. The big plays in the first half, like you mentioned, were were a little bit of a killer. But what are some of the the positives you can't take away from? You know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of our that we fought to the end. You know, we get another goal line stop at the end to give us a chance. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're young on offense, and it, it, it shows at times, but I'm proud of how far we've come as an offense. You know, it, a lot of people don't know this, but we're missing eight starters tonight. And uh, for us to fight and be in a, a chance to possibly win a conference championship without eight starters is a big deal. Um, you know, and it's a credit to the guys that stepped up and decided that tonight they were going to play their, their tails off and fight as hard as they could. And, and that's what I'm really proud of is there's a lot of names out here. There's some new kids here tonight that haven't played this entire year that just showed up and, you know, just, you know, you look at some of the guys the last couple of weeks, Josh Kirkpatrick continues to improve. Our offensive line some continues to improve. huge catches tonight. Yeah, you know, and we got a sophomore offensive lineman starting. You know, I mean, you, you look at what I'll take away from these five games is – you know, there were kids that said, I want to play and I want to play football at New Trier and I'm going to do everything I can to um, get myself in position to help my team out. And that's what I can take away from tonight. Was it a COVID issue, coach, or was it injury? Uh, we had some injuries. We had some kids quarantine last second, um, you know, due to exposures. 
Uh, we've, you know, let's be honest, we've lost some kids to graduation early. Yeah. We've had some injuries that are pretty crazy, but our entire offensive line is a new offensive line from what we planned on this yeah. year. So. And were you proud to see a little bit of resilience to, and I shouldn't even say a little bit yeah. of resilience, I should say a lot of resilience, Coach. You know, first half obviously wasn't what you drew up, and then first yeah. drive of the second half you come out, go right down the field, did exactly yep. what you needed. Were, were you proud of what you saw from the team in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad we fought. You know, I think that's that's really important is, is you got to, you know, we took a couple punches early. We could have folded. Uh, we were we were able to fight back and, and do everything we could to make it a game. And, look, when you can take it down to the end like this, it's uh, it's great. I'm frustrated uh, with with some things, but I will, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, continue to obviously love coaching these kids and teaching them everything I can. On the fourth down in, in your territory, coach right there threatening you to score, was that the play you wanted? And was everything executed with the exception of, you know, the, the main south defender made a nice play and kind of got to the ball before? Was was that yeah. what you were looking for on that play? Well, I mean, the play before when we jumped off sides is really the, uh, the killer. Yeah. And, that you know, that's that's tough. That's tough. The, you know, I, I, that's the play you want back. You know, you want to be in a fourth and one situation. And, you know, you got the play called. You want to you want to run at that situation. We felt good about it. And, we, mm-hmm. you know, we, we made a mistake, you know, and that was that was obvious. So. And, and then up and down the roster tonight, Coach, the, the seniors again, you know, left it all left it all out there. Another huge performance from the guys you relied yep. on week after week. Yep. Tyler was, was big. Brody, obviously, I think he covered sideline side to sideline. Yep. Every single play was out there. So yep. um, just, just speak a little bit on the uh, on the leadership of this group, Coach, and yeah. this, this I mean, senior Brody, group. Brody's just resi- – I mean, for him to fight back from that injury, you know, just like his shoulder, <laughs> I was kind of afraid it popped out. It didn't, thank goodness. But for him just to keep coming back and – and be resilient in that situation but you know him and Tyler obviously have been leaders for us all all along um you know it's also a credit and I I mentioned his name not because he's here but you know David helped this group grow and help those linemen grow um and they were able to you know perform at a higher level because of his leadership thanks so much uh for joining us uh this week and as always thank you to all the players and coaches for joining us always good to get you guys' insight All right, we're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone & Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, third quarter means that we are playing way or no way our weekly guessing game of uh, whether something can happen way or no way something cannot happen. Joe and Marty are going to go at it with five uh, questions this week. So let's start off with uh, the first one. We talked about a strong start from Loyola Boys Volleyball. So, Marty, way or no way that the Loyola boys volleyball team finishes with more wins than Nutrier this year? I'm going to go way on this one, Michael, just because I think there's a lot of programs that uh, that really bring it in the CSL South. Uh, there is obviously as well in Loyola's conference and some some perennial powerhouses in the Catholic League there as well. But I know there's a lot of really strong programs that bring you know real great teams every year. So. I think Loyola will uh, will be able to edge the Trez by just a couple wins. So I'm going to go way on this one. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go way too because Nutria started off with a bit of a quarantine, so they're they're not going to play as many games maybe. So I'm being very pragmatic about it. All right. It. <laughs> no, but All right. very similar thoughts to Marty is that uh, both divisions are good or both conferences, leagues, uh, but I think maybe um, – Nutrients is a little bit better. So I think Loyola is going to stack up the wins. I think they're probably pretty comparable, but Loyola is legit, man. Um, they're they're going to make quite a run here, and, and we might we might see a pretty good powerhouse here in, uh, the, for the Ramblers. Now, we do get playoffs for boys volleyball, or we don't? We do. All spring sports. Okay. 
Nice. All right, uh, Joe, way or no way that will have an all Loyola Nutrier lacrosse state championship, so both boys and girls? Oh, both. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm going to say, yeah, just by I'll go with the odds if you looked at them through the years. Um, I, I'm, well, now, now you put me on the spot and I feel a little ignorant that I don't know the rest of the good programs. I know that the overall, the landscape of lacrosse has been getting better in Illinois and putting pressure on um, the perennial powers that are Loyola and Nutrier. Uh, but they're still at the top of the mountain. Someone's got to push them off. So um, I'm still going to say that uh, it's, it's theirs to lose. Yeah. And I'm going to put forward a, a little bit of a disagreement here. You know, maybe this is the first time in a couple of weeks that Joe and I have disagreed on one. So I'm going to go no way. Uh, and I'm just going to take the field. I think I'll, uh, I'll stick with the odds. And, you know, I, I think one of them, one of the two will get there. I'll, I'll save that prediction for a for a later podcast episode of which uh, which of the two will get there but for both of them getting there I think there's a there's a chance but I don't want to say it's a it's a strong likelihood just because a lot of great programs as Joe said and, and you know for it to play out exactly like that uh, is sometimes a, a bit idealistic on our end so I, I'm gonna go no way on that one and say only one of the two makes it all right all right, Marty, we talked about Nutri Baseball earlier. Way or no way that the Nutri Baseball team can win the CSL South this year? Yeah, I got to go way on this one. I like what they're bringing this year. I think they've got a lot of talents, both uh, several several high-quality starting pitchers and some nice some nice guys who will contribute um, out of relief as well. And then I, I really like their lineup. I think they're uh, seven or eight deep on that lineup, some real good power-speed combination guys. Uh, I think they'll be able to create some offense on the base pass with stealing bases. So I really like that team. There's uh, something to note though, as we've mentioned so many times before, there's a lot of really good baseball programs in the CSL South now with, uh, with Glenbrook North in the CSL South. And they've got Eric Orloff, who's one of the uh, top three or four pitchers in the state. So um, he'll be anchoring a strong GBN staff as always. So you'll have to watch out for them. Glenbrook South usually, usually brings it on the baseball diamond. Evanston usually puts together some really nice teams. So uh, a lot to watch out for in the, in the CSL South. But I think right now, uh, beginning a season prediction, I think Nutria is at the top of the conference right now. Conference. So make a bold statement that coach Naps isn't going to like, but Nutria always sort of, rides under expectations um and that's you know usually it happens in the playoffs but playoffs are, are so different difficult for the sport of baseball because you know one great pitch performance same, same as softball one great pitching performance and that's it and you could win nine out of ten games but if you get an ace on his his best day um it's tough um so but I, with all the i'm gonna say no way just to keep the disagreements going um i really like like you said gbn gbs main south Evanston, I think you're going to take your lumps in this conference um, in a couple games every week. Um, and uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say no way they don't win it. All right. Way or no way, Joe, that this year's Nutria football team is the best team in the last five years. Five years. Whoo. We got four questions this week. Nice. <laughs> so far. Um, I'm going to say yeah, there's a fifth one. Don't worry. I mean, there was, there was a time for like six straight seasons where I was at every single game and make this a lot easier. The past four years, I wasn't so, um, but I kind of have a, a feeling, but, and they missed the playoffs two seasons ago for the first time in like 15 years. 
So I'm going to say way because I think, I don't know, does five years include that? I think we're missing that team that uh, was real good and, and, and got a couple playoff wins um, and they were eight and one. So I'm going to say way they're they're up there. I mean, what they did to a very good Evanston team to pull that game out. Um, I, what's that? Evanston's got, do they have three losses when they've got two? Yeah. Okay. Just nutrient. I mean, that's a very good football team there. I thought they were on the same level as main th- South. And I think they're a top 20 program in 8A. Um, so in a different world, they could be five and zero. Yeah. Could I easily th- see it. I think so. And I think, um, you know, they're going, yeah, I'm going to say they are, but, and I'm also going to say that this is going to continue um, next year. I think they've got a lot of junior and sophomore talent. Um, that's going to make, uh, that's going to carry over to next year. And they got some experience in a couple of big games. Um, it's going to be here before we know it. I'll say yes <laughs> way. It is the best team. Yeah. And just to keep the, the trend of disagreements here, uh, going, I'm going to say no way on this one. I think that five-year gap would include the last new team that beat Maine South. So that was either five or six years ago, I guess, depending on how we're framing the seasons with this year being the, the strange year happening in the spring. So I'm going to, you know, just for the sake of argument, include that group and say no way, um, because that was the last team that uh, that had got by Maine South. But they've had some really strong teams, even aside that uh, that group, I think two seasons ago, they were seven and two, if I'm not mistaken. But then in the first round, uh, they got beat up a little bit by Oak Park and River Forest. Um, and then the most recent season, as Joe mentioned, they, they missed out on the playoffs. And this year, we've, we've said it over and over again, you know, I, we think very highly of this team and uh, they've got a lot of talent. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go just a slight no way on this one. And uh, I'll agree with Joe, there's a, there's a lot of talent here to look forward to next year uh, as well. Um, it, it's not even next year, it's the next couple months, <laughs> as Joe said, um, but losing, losing Roth and, and, uh, and Harden and some of the, uh, some of the names on defense as well will be tough to replace, but, uh, Kremaskoli being back as a, as a three-year starter now, and, uh, Mendez coming back, Cohen coming back, Kirkpatrick coming back at wide receiver. So there's a, there's a lot to look forward, uh, for next season as well for the Trebs. All right, Marty, fifth and final way or no way. Uh, way or no way that this Loyola football team would beat the 2018 state championship team? I'm going way on this one, and that's, a, that's an easy, quick answer for me. I, uh, I don't know if there's, a, if there's a program right now off the top of my head that I'd say could, uh, could beat this Loyola team because of what we've seen from them and just the, uh, the dominant performance, especially, I think, in a season, in a quote-unquote typical season where we get uh, – nine games and they get the chance to, to build week after week and continue to get better. So I'm going to go no way on that one. Uh, or it went way, right. Uh, yeah. I don't think anyone would, uh, would take down this Loyola team. Maybe there are a couple, uh, a couple Lincoln way teams in there in the past couple of years that would give them a real good fight and maybe, maybe be able to push them. But uh, I think this uh, 2020 slash 21, ramblers unit is uh is one of the best we've seen in perhaps maybe the, the last decade or so michael repeat the question are they the way or no way that this loyola football team would beat the 2018 state championship team okay right okay so i went way to clarify <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you i am just um infatuated with this team uh, i have so much fun watching them the past couple weeks um you know, I think Vaughn Pemberton's the best running back they've had in a long time. No offense to, to Dar Elijah, 
um, what he's done. Um, I, I do wish we've had, you know, more games, not just of course, cause we want to see him in the postseason, um, but also, you know, they haven't really needed to much let JT Thomas air it out. And, and he has on occasion. Um, and I know he can, um, but the, you know, you know, the controlling the run game with Pemberton and Maldonado, that they've been able to do it, but their defense, I don't know how you stop these grown men. Um, so I, I think they are the best team and, um, you know, the best loyal team I've ever seen actually didn't win the state championship. I'd put them on par with them. Um, the Malcolm Weaver years, which I think is the Michael Dwojak years as well. of loyal Those Academy. are the Michael Dwojak years. He didn't make it on the field, but he was uh, at every game. <laughs> <laughs> that team was ridiculous, but I think this defense might be the best I've seen. So I say yes, wait. All right, there you go, folks. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter where we preview the last week of football. Um, sadly, it's gone fast, but uh, obviously we're all happy um, to have had a season than not to have had a season at all. Um, so why don't we start off with this Loyola matchup against Marist? Um, obviously, the last time these two teams played against each other, um, Marist knocked Loyola out of the 2019, uh, I think it was state quarterfinals, um, took care of business again a bit against them and also beat them earlier in the season too. So um, Loyola with a lot of uh, um, a lot of motivation heading into this final game against Marist. Um, Marist's only loss this season has uh, was to Mount Carmel. Um, so obviously a big uh, division game for the two teams here. Maris obviously wanting to play spoiler in Loyola, uh, hoping to uh, look for, for toward perfection. But um, what are you guys looking forward to in this uh, week? Uh, what is it? Week five, week six game um, where uh, especially uh, for a lot of these players, one last chance to play football uh, for the Ramblers. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to a, uh, a program that I think will give Loyola a little bit of a fight. So I think maybe we'll see a situation where we get a little bit of a closer game um, than we've seen these past couple of weeks. But we've said that earlier in the year that we thought some of these teams were, were going to be able to push them and go toe to toe with them. And then the Ramblers just, you know, uh, beat up on them and make the score a, a little bit of a blowout. So uh, Maris is obviously, as we've mentioned, a, a program that brings strong teams year after year. Um, you the Ramblers will have that uh, that playoff defeat from uh, last season, even though it was you know 19 months ago. Now I'm sure that'll still be fresh in their uh, fresh in their mind, and they'll still uh, remember that loss. So there'll be maybe a little bit of extra motivation. And then you also have to factor in that it's the last game for a lot of these <clears throat> a lot of these players. The last time they'll be taking the field, so uh, they're going to leave it all out there, and they're going to put maybe uh, maybe even a little bit extra into this one. So. I'm excited to see two great perennial programs go at it uh, one last time and, and put hopefully a, a strong finish on, uh, even though it's only been a six game year, what, what's been a fun season still. Yeah. I just think loyal is going to be uber prepared and um, enthusiastic, just a ball of energy. I think these guys, you know, with a couple games in a row that they controlled from, from wire to wire, um, they're going to be eager to get after it. And um, number two, avenge that loss from, you know, 19 months ago, like Marty said, but I think we've said on this pod before, like playing little isn't enough, you know, it's enough. Do you have to play them with a chip on their shoulder? Like, no, no thank you. <laughs> so especially that defense, man, I'm, I, I just don't see Maris putting anything together. Um, you know, looking at their scores and what they've been able to put up, they don't have a, not that it's almost impossible to have a um, dynamic 
prolific super offense in the Catholic League because um, of all those great defenses. But you're going to have to 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 put pressure on Loyola, and I don't think they'll be able to do that. So um, I think it's going to be a, a better game the past two weeks, but I do also expect the Ramblers to make a statement um, to finish out their year. I think this is really important to them, and they've been looking forward to it, and it's going to show in the final score. I know we've talked uh, trap games between uh, Nutrier and that kind of stuff, but I feel like this has like no potential for being a trap game. I feel like this uh, Loyola team probably, uh, I mean, you guys would figure would just be all over it, especially since all these players, I mean, have um, experienced the losses of 2019 where um, these guys just got bigger and better and that, uh, that proves um, that they just want to win one more game and that they're happy to get one more game they'll be fired up. They'll be ready to go. And I remember when I talked with, uh, with coach Holosek for the season preview story at the beginning of the year. Um, one thing he mentioned that they still will be playing for this year is to finish as kind of the consensus number one ranked program. So I'm sure he'll, he won't need to give the players any extra motivation. They'll be ready to go and fire it up. Like I said, but I'm sure he'll be, he'll be letting them know and, you know, framing it, framing it in a way where um, maybe he'll kind of almost, present it as a as a playoff game for them you win this game and you finish the year as you know ranked number one by every outlet that uh that ranks football program so they'll they'll be fired up and ready to go like i said i I expect them to just come out gunning and uh and and beat up on a pretty good what we look what we think is a pretty good maris team so uh i wouldn't expect any kind of trap scenario here yeah they got to go to the south side for the third time in Six weeks? I keep forgetting the number of games. In six weeks, which I just think is interesting. It's a nice little tidbit. So is there room there for Maris to use their home home crowd, you know, senior night probably type of thing? Maybe. Um, but I just, like Marty said, this we've seen too much out of this Loyola team, and I don't think we've seen their full potential. I really don't. And I think they've said that in a couple of interviews. Like, we, we haven't even played our best game yet. So, um, yikes. Um, I will say, though, <laughs> after um, – after this game, you know, there's still going to be outlets that rank Lincoln Way East number one. It's still going to happen. Um, I think what's, there is one that has ranked Lincoln Way East number one all season, but uh, ahead of Loyola. Everyone else has Loyola. So um, that's the one thing that I'm not sure they'll be able to unanimously be, but it, it feels like that. If, old... you, uh, if you look at strength of schedule, though, I feel like the, the scale definitely tips a little bit uh, towards the Rambler. It's true. Um, but, you know, that's a public school schedule for you. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> true. Go Griffins. But I, I mean, I really <laughs> like just even talking about it just gives me so like upset that we can't see that matchup or, or at least potential, you know, watch the bracket come out and all that. But, uh, but well, we'll take care of business. All right, let's move on over now to that new Trier-St. Charles East game. Originally, it was supposed to be a CSL North game, but um, it seems like there's just been too much uh, uncertainty with COVID and that kind of stuff. So uh, the CSL North teams um, will not be doing the crossover this week. So um, we talked about a little bit. A lot of teams had to, uh, like Maine South and Evanston, had to um, you know, do what Loyola did the last two weeks and try to desperately find an opponent where um, you didn't have one. But um, these two teams facing off against each other, obviously St. Charles East, a good program um, playing at uh, Husky Stadium should be a it should be a fun way to end the season. I know I saw that Coach Dahl and players have talked about it being um, a way of honoring the seniors and uh, 
just uh, recognizing what a what a weird, but also what a fun year it's been. Yeah, uh, how cool of it to end like that. You know, um, they had a bowl game scheduled, which was pretty cool to begin with, even though they were going to have to play in the second place game in, in the crossover. Um, but you know, um, you lose that and you pick up a game at a college stadium. Uh, I guess no, no real, no real qualms about that. Um, you know, Glenbard East, uh, no, St. Charles East, I'm sorry. They play in a tough conference. Um, they do. They play Wien Warnville South. They play Barrett, uh, Batavia. They play Geneva. Uh, these are pretty good. Schools. They usually play their rival St. Charles North as well every year. And, you know, yeah. in a normal year. And the St. Charles North program, if I'm not mistaken, two years ago made it to the 7A championship game. Yeah. Se- yeah. 7A championship against, against, Nazareth. against Nazareth. So Joe, Joe said it. These, these are real nice programs. Yeah, so the 0-5 record that they have, or 0-4, um, I think it's probably closer to a 500 record, you know, um, when weighted. So, but I, I do think Nutrier is is a pretty legit four and one. So I think they have the advantage here. Um, but I do think um, um, I think it's a fun way to end things, and I think they'll have a good game out there, and I think they're going to have fun at a college stadium and end the season in style. Do you guys feel like this game will be uh, uh, senior heavy, obviously getting the seniors in there and maybe uh, um, obviously you get, you're trying to win the game and that kind of stuff, but also getting some guys, some, uh, uh, some last reps before uh, moving on from the program. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially for the first, you know, two, maybe three quarters, we'll see almost all uh, seniors from, from both teams getting out there. Um, depending on what, what St. Charles roster looks like, but obviously Nutrier has a, has a heavy senior class this year. So we'll see, we'll see all the seniors getting out there and, and getting in and contributing to the game because it is, it is, as Joe mentioned, I think a little bit more, this week is a little bit more of an experience and a little bit more about the, uh, the fun of things. Obviously they'll still be competing to win. Um, five and one looks a whole lot better than four and two at the end of the year. So they'll still be going out there trying to win, but, uh, I'd be pretty stunned if we didn't see Brody Roth or Tyler Harden or both get into the end zone uh, at least once. So I think you'll see the, uh, the seniors uh, uh, as they are, you know, in, in most normal weeks as well, be a, be a pretty big part of the, uh, of the game plan early on. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's really no reason not to get the seniors in, you know, you're playing on a college stadium this last game of the year and it doesn't have implications for the next week. Um, you know, there's no trophy attached. So uh, I'm sure both, both squads will get in, get them all in um, and have some fun. That's, that's what it's about, huh? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get some predictions going here. Uh, Loyola Marist, what are you guys feeling? I'm feeling a pretty dominant performance by Pemberton again. Um, I think that Marist is going to try to stop him and be completely unsuccessful. Um, you know, they can throw just a, a few different looks at you with him, you know, from even getting it, feeding him out of the backfield uh, on passes and screens and, and working in Maldonado. So I, I think the rush game is going to have a day and I think they want to have a day. I think they want to run it down the throat of Marist. Um, just a guess, just a feeling I have. Um, so um, control the clock, but that might limit the scoring a little bit, but I still think we're talking like, I, I, I always, I got to give Van Zelst a field goal too. So, um, we'll go 31, 
I'm going to do another shutout. I'm going to say zip. Interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm similar to Joe here as we as we so often are, and I I just want to preface this prediction by saying I think this is a really strong Maris program. Just from reading a little bit about what's out there about them and seeing some of the results. You look at what they've done this year, victories over Brother Rice, victories over Niles and Notre, Niles and Notre Dame. They beat Nazareth, uh, a field goal loss to Mount Carmel. Um, but as we've often said so many times, they ain't seen nothing like Loyola yet this year. So uh, I'm real similar to Joe. I think the the Ramblers have that that, that loss two seat well, last season, I should say, still fresh in their minds. You know, they, they don't tend to, to forget those kinds of defeats. So I've got 31-10 Loyola, I think. Maris will get on the board towards the end of the game. I've got 31-10. I got a 34-6 to six game, two field goals for Maris, or a touchdown, whatever you want to call it, but not a really close game. And I think uh, Loyola ends the season undefeated. All right, St. Charles East and Nutrier. What do we think about this game? Yeah, I haven't made it up to, uh, to St. Charles too much this year to check out the uh, – <laughs> to check them out. But as Joe said, you know, tough schedule, a lot of good programs they face this year. Uh, the Batavias of the world, so some real strong competition. So if you wait it, it's uh, they're probably about a 500 ball club as Joe said. So I think maybe it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit closer of a game than what maybe uh, than what you might pencil in if you just looked at the two teams records. And then you also factor in that uh, what we've talked about, about how they'll be uh, they'll be playing for a little bit of the, the fun of it too this week. But I've got new Trier winning this one, 28 to 14. I think a uh, couple, couple touchdowns from Roth and Harden, like I mentioned. And uh, I think St. Charles will, will get in there a few times as well. So 28, 14, new Trier. Yeah, I think um, almost echo everything Marty said. I, I think uh, maybe if this had a, something to come after the implications on anything and both teams were playing their absolute best strategy, best you know, best 24, et cetera. Um, Nutrier might win um, by, by a bit more, but I think it's, it's going to be a, more of a fun atmosphere. I think, uh, but I still think um, Nutrier's defense has a ton of pride on their side. And I, I think, I think they'll allow one tutty. And um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say pretty, pretty nice 24 to seven. All right. I got a close one. Actually. I got a 17 to 14 win for Nutrier. Uh, things are close here, and we got a field goal to uh, end the season uh, for Nutrier. But should be a lot of fun football um, over the weekend. Make sure you guys are keeping track and keeping up with everything that we've got going on there. Um, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they are available. Make sure you give us a nice little review as well. That's everything that we got for this week's episode of the podcast. Make sure, if you can, to get out there, watch some sports, obviously, socially distanced and masked, but. There's a lot of sports going on. Might snow. We don't know yet, but uh, <laughs> at least uh, enjoy the weather while I can. And it can only get warmer, right? So hopefully as we uh, move on over, um, we'll have more opportunities to watch sports. But for Joe and Mari, thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.